enjoyed last week when we showed that message about slaying giants? We've got some giant slayers in the room today. Uh, sorry, kids are going out. Yeah, there's another. I knew I told you I'd think of another announcement. Oh, okay. So at the end of the service, uh, our strong men and women, because I don't want to get in trouble, uh, but just, yeah, whoever wants to, uh, all the chairs that we've had out, we're going to move to the shed just to put it somewhere because we've had them out for the two last big weekends. So if we could get some help with that, that would be wonderful. Who's got, who ate, who ate their wheat bix this morning? Jeremy ate his wheat bix. He's showing me. It's good. So let's do that. Joel ate his wheat bix. Nutrigrain or wheat bix? Uh, Vita Brits. Is that a bit more Aussie or yogurt and fruit? Any advances on bacon and eggs? Anybody? Bacon and eggs? Bacon and eggs? Brilliant. Cocoa Pops. Well, you'll be the strongest here. Anyway, I will stop gas bagging now and taking up my wife's time. Would we stand to our feet just one more time? Let's honour the Word of God and honour Anita as she comes. Give her a welcome this morning. Thank you. Why don't you stay standing for a moment? Tried to catch you before you sat, just to honour the Word of God and, and we're going to pray. Ah, wonderful Father, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for bringing us here today. Thank you for the privilege of meeting together, iron sharpening iron, believer sharpening believer. Lord, that we can be strengthened in our faith and that we can be deepened in our knowledge and love of you, Lord. Father, I ask today that you would anoint me to speak your words. You would anoint ears to hear what you're saying and hearts to receive, Lord. And I ask that your Holy Spirit would come and fill this place, that this place may be literally filled with the power of God, that we may go out in boldness and proclaim your name to a very hurting world. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. All right. Today I want to talk about the Elijah generation. I believe that we are the Elijah generation. And I want to take you through the life of Elijah today and the similarities between that and the church of Jesus in the earth now in this generation. It's got a little bit of an overview here, some of the things we're going to discuss. So Elijah was a prophet used by God to call a nation to repentance. Elijah stood against the culture of his day to point to the truth. Elijah saw miraculous provision and protection. And Elijah challenged the nation to decide who would be their God and who they would worship. And finally, the chapters of Elijah end with Elijah being caught up alive to be with the Lord. Very exciting. All right. I want to start, though, if you can turn in your Bibles today, because what, what you're going to see is I just put the references up, but I haven't put the full scriptures because I really want you to follow along in your Bible. So if you brought your Bible, can you turn to 1 Kings, please, and get, we'll get set up. And we're going to start in chapter 17. So 1 Kings 17. And uh, while you're doing that, I want to bring up something interesting. Elijah, 
Maybe that doesn't mean a lot to us because we're not Hebrew um, speaking people. But Elijah's name is amazing. It means Yahweh, which is the English translation, is my God. Yahweh is actually spelt Y-H-W-H. And it's made up of the Hebrew letters yod Hey vah Hey. So this is, for any um, Orthodox Jew, this is what they call the unpronounceable name of God. They will not even use this name for sheer reverence. This name is used over 6,000 times in the Bible. And each time it has that amazing, like, like the Jews as they're reading this, when they get to this name they will pause and they will not mention the unmentionable name, the unpronounceable name of God. So much reverence they have for this name. yod he va Yahweh. Now, hey, this, which in Hebrew is said hey with the guttural, you know, make sure you've got enough water in your mouth. Um, hey means look or behold. Hey represents the divine breath, revelation, and light. This is what Elijah's name means. He's a prophet to the nations, and his name means Yahweh is my God. In a generation that was following Baal, there was one prophet standing up and saying, I will not bow to that name of Baal. Yahweh is my God and I come in his name. And I believe God wants to raise up a generation that will come in his name and say, I will not bow the knee to any other God, any other philosophy, anything else other than the name of Jesus. He alone has my worship. If you have a look in 1 Kings chapter 17, I want to read uh, the very first verse and then pause. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor any rain these years except at my word. Okay, when you start a sentence with and Elijah, you would think that they had already been talking about Elijah, you know, da 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 da, oh, and Elijah did this. And, but this is the first time we actually see Elijah appearing. And all the way through Kings and before that, um, Samuel and after that in Chronicles. This is so-and-so. He was the son of so-and-so. But Elijah is not the son of anybody, apparently. He's a Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead. Now, a Tishbite means he was from the city of Tishbe in Gilead. Nothing more is known about him. It's almost like he didn't have a past, Now, there's one other group of people I can think of that no longer have a past. wonder who that is. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. 
So you see, Elijah's representing a generation that doesn't have a past. They have a new present in the power of God. A generation anointed to bring a word to the leaders of their day. Now he has a word for Ahab, who was king of Israel at the time. Ahab's wife is probably more famous than him. Famous for all the wrong reasons. Ahab's wife is Jezebel. That woman who created more evil in Israel than any other woman listed in the Bible. Here's the word of the Lord for him. There will not be any dew nor rain these years except at my word. Now, that's really interesting. Why is he coming to Ahab to say these things? Elijah proclaims a drought unless repentance comes. You see, Baal was supposed to be provider of the rain and controller of the weather. I love it. Elijah's saying, see about that. Let's see who's really God. Oh, you want to pray to Baal? You want to worship before a statue that you made with your own hands? Go for it. Let's see how much rain you get on the land. Baal is shown to be powerless against the true God. And Elijah is given supernatural provision, and we're going to go through this. Let's read down to verse 7, and then I want to read you a news article. Okay, verse 2. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherenth, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Every time you see a drought in the Bible, it's usually linked to God wanting to bring people into repentance. I know that in the natural, we like to explain away droughts and floods by natural weather phenomenon. But the Bible tells us God uses natural weather phenomenon to bring home a spiritual point. Now, I went back into the archives, and this is ABC Rule. They published this news article. Uh, this was posted Tuesday, the 10th of December, 2019. The Queensland government has today declared the majority of the state's southeast is in drought. Eight shires and councils, including the Fraser Coast, Moreton Bay, Sunshine Coast, Noosa, Gympie, Redlands, Gold Coast and Logan, have joined 37 other drought-declared local government areas. So more than two-thirds of Queensland is now officially in drought, with only the northern parts of the state and Brisbane drought-free. It goes on to talk about the hardships, the things going on, even Stanthorpe gets a mention. 
The drought is relentless. We've seen it in many parts of the state for many years. And its gradual creep of this drought has moved towards the coast. They're talking about the millions of dollars that this is costing our society. Comments from, from some locals, you know, the creek is really, really low. We've never seen it this low. It's so sad the way it stopped flowing. Another one says, I've had many sleepless nights. Do you know what's missing from this news article? And even I found at the time, even though our community rallied to pray for rain, we prayed earnestly for rain, but we didn't pray for repentance. You see, this is what Elijah was saying to his generation. You need to repent and turn back to God. Well, I found it very interesting as we follow this pattern through, we have literally been through all the things that these passages talk about. The first one was drought. Now we're going to go to verse 8 and watch how this unfolds. Uh, 1 Kings 17, 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord which he spoke by Elijah. Okay, a couple of things here. God's amazing provision. When you stand for God, the true God, when you stand for Yahweh, he is not going to fail you. He will provide for you, even if it's unusual. I've never had a bird bring me breakfast before. I wonder if he sanitized his beak before he picked it up. You know what? This is amazing. And this widow woman absolutely astounds me. There she is thinking it's her last supper, literally her last supper. She was planning to die from starvation afterwards. And this man shows up and asks for a drink of water which may not seem like anything to us, but when you've been in a drought and there isn't even 
enough water, like there wasn't even dew on the ground. This is a serious drought. A drink of water, then she's like, okay, she's going to get that. Oh, wait, um, would you bring me some bread? <sighs> As a mother and thinking about this woman with her, her only son and wanting to provide for him, and here's a stranger. He looks big enough to handle himself, and he wants the last of my bread. But she has some kind of a keen insight because her statement is, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. She's already recognising there's something of God on this man. So when he says to her, thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up nor the jar of oil run dry, she believes him. And God does an incredible miracle. The oil doesn't run dry. Okay, I forgot I did it like that. I thought I'd be fancy and forgot all about it. All right. Okay, I want to have a look at this concept of oil that doesn't run dry because this is exactly where I believe our generation is at. Can you quickly turn to Matthew 25 with me? I tell you what, the parables that Jesus spoke are really coming alive to me lately. It's like I've been given new glasses to look through and read them with fresh eyes. We're going to have a look at Matthew 25 verses 1 to 13, known as the parable of the wise and foolish virgins. And I'm starting in verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven, this is Jesus speaking, the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all these virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. That word there, trimmed, for trimming their lamps, means to beautify, to arrange, to decorate, to furnish, to embellish, to adorn or to put in order. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy it for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Verse 1 tells us something really distinct. All ten virgins took their lamps 
and went out to meet the bridegroom. They were all ready, waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. It says they all fell asleep because <sighs> the bridegroom was delayed. But at midnight, a cry was heard. Hey, wake up. The bridegroom's coming. Oh, oh, oh quick, quick, get ready. They're trimming, trimming the lamps. It says they're putting things in order. Okay. This is it. This is the moment we've been ready for. But only five of them were truly ready for that moment. Because the others, it says, had no oil with them. And they're begging, please share your oil with us. Do you know this is where it comes in, where God doesn't have grandchildren. He only has children. It's not enough to know someone else's faith, someone else's, you know, ability to trust in God. When it comes to the crunch, you have to know God for you. Do you remember the seven sons of Sceva trying to cast out devils in the name of Jesus? And the demon said, well, yeah. Jesus we know, who gives me the shudders just saying that. And Paul, oh, we know Paul, but who are you? Even in the spirit, those demons could see that these people had no oil in their lamps. They had no relationship with the Lord. The five wise virgins were so anticipating being at that wedding that even if it takes longer than we think, we'll just bring extra oil. It will do anything it takes to be ready for when that bridegroom comes. I believe God is saying to us, he wants us to make sure we have oil in our lamps. Do you have a genuine friendship, a genuine relationship with God? Because when the bridegroom comes, and he is coming, those who were watching and ready and prepared They were the ones who went into the wedding. We need to be alert. Here Elijah is and the oil does not run out. I believe we need to keep the oil in our lamps burning. Verse 3 and 4. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. That would be like being you know, preparing to go on a camping trip and you take your torch and you don't check the battery before you leave and you don't bring a spare. And when you get there and it's dark and you need that light, oh, the battery's dead. The wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. The Elijah generation is a generation that is burning hot for the Lord. I believe the wake-up call has sounded. 
At the end of 2019, early 2020, the wake-up call began to sound around the earth. There began to be whisperings of of a disease that was coming that was in China. And it it, it continued on until it began to affect every part of the world. An international shaking began. The call went out, the bridegroom is coming, wake up. And some people woke up. They began to put things in order in their lives. They began to prepare. Other people said, ah, there's always been things like this. doesn't mean anything. There's no reason to be alarmed. This too will pass and we'll keep going back to our normal lives. But you see, the wake-up call came at the midnight hour because this was not a drill. This was the real deal. You need to be awake now because the bridegroom really is coming. He's coming soon. Oh, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Let's continue with our story. If you go back to 1 Kings now, we're going to continue with this journey of Elijah and his life. So 1 Kings 17, and we're going to look at 17 to 24. Sorry. Okay. Right. Very good. So, verse 17, now it happened after these things, so he'd been fed with the widow woman, that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick, and his sickness was so serious or severe that there was no breath left in him. That is very important. I want you to remember this verse. So she said to Elijah, what have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? And he said to her, give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his own bed. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodge by killing her son? And he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came back to him and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, Your son lives. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth is truth. Wow, are you ready for this? You need to buckle in. Okay. Something happens. There's an only son who becomes sick, and he dies. And this only son gets carried up in the arms of Elijah into the upper room. And he stretches himself out on the child three times and he is revived. There was another only son who also died and was in the ground three days and he revived. This is a passage about resurrection. 
Oh, I love this. Okay. If we have a look at something here, this child became sick. It was a serious sickness. It was so severe, there was no breath left in him. The scripture could have used any terminology to talk about this event. It could have said the child died. The child was really sick and passed away. The child ceased. But it uses this, there was no breath left in him. I want you to look at this word. Again, the name of Elijah. If we look at part down the bottom there, the divine breath. There was something missing. Even though this boy was in a home where the prophet resided, there was something missing. It was the breath, the divine breath. Breath. In Hebrew, that word is ruach, the divine breath. It means breath, wind, spirit, the ruach. Now, I love this. Genesis 1-2, it says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the ruach of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord, hovered upon the face of the waters. Where there's darkness, where there's chaos, we need the Holy Spirit to come and breathe and hover and breathe life. What situation do you have in your life where there's death at the moment, where there's darkness? Where do you need the Holy Spirit to come and begin to hover and to breathe the very presence and breath of God into. Genesis 6, 17. I'm just going to flick there really quickly. Six. It says this. I think I've got the wrong... Oh, no. I haven't. I've got the right reference. This is the flood of Noah. And behold, I myself am bringing flood waters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the ruach of life, the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. God's judgment on the wicked world back then was to remove the ruach, remove the breath, the life, the spirit of God. Now, look at this, Acts chapter 2. Remember this boy, Elijah carried him to the upper room. He had no breath, no spirit in him, and he was taken to the upper room. Something in this upper room was going to occur that would completely change this boy's life forever. Let's look at Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. It says this. Sorry. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing, mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and sat upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Ruach 
the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Where were they when this happened? It says they were in the upper room. They'd been commissioned and taken and placed in the upper room. And it was in the upper room that God breathed his life into them, filled them with his Holy Spirit. Then it says they came down from there into the house and they spilled out of the house and they went into every part of the known world filled with the Spirit taking the gospel of Jesus Christ. Peter says in this occasion when he comes down and begins to speak, he's starting to talk about the prophet Joel and he said, this is exactly what he said. It'll come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit, my ruach, on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters, they're going to have that breath in them. They're going to prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy oh and it goes on but this is such a similar pattern Elijah brought the boy down out of the upper room back into the house and released him to his mother to be the son of the house I believe God is calling the Elijah generation to come into the upper room and to be filled with the spirit to be absolutely filled with with the Spirit, to have the very breath and life of God within you. Why is this necessary? Because the Lord knows the day in which we live. We cannot do this in our own strength. He says, not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. And this son was released back to his mother, filled with the ruach, the breath, the Spirit of God. Wow. We're going to jump over to 1 Kings 18 now. And I'm starting in verse 1. And it says this, And it came to pass. I love those words because the Bible is full of them. God said, and it came to pass. God said, and it came to pass. God said, and it happened. God said, and it was so. Well, God said, and it came to pass, after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab, and there was a severe famine in Samaria. Wow. Okay. There's this famine. He goes, I won't read all that, but I want to pick up the story in verse, um, I've got 18, but I'm actually going to start in 17. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said to him, is that you, O troubler of Israel? You caused me no rain for three years. Hang on a minute. 
you were pretty confident that you would be fine because after all, wasn't Baal the one providing you with water? Wasn't Baal the one going to meet all your needs? How come you're calling me the troubler of Israel? Aren't you the one that needed to get on your knees and repent before God? I like Elijah's response in verse 18. And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. Now, what does Baal represent today? You might say, well, there's no Baal worship today. Oh, don't you believe it? It's rampant everywhere. What are the characteristics of Baal worship? Lovers of themselves and pleasures. Lascivious lifestyles. Prosperity. To the point that they are willing to even sacrifice their children to have their pleasures. Baal worship is also connected with sexual immorality, with idolatry, and here's the the big one. It's steeped in the occult. Have you noticed, and probably I'm hoping you haven't been unfortunate enough to ever see some of these sites, but occasionally an ad will pop up on my feed for a new video or movie that's coming to the cinemas And I'm like, wow, did someone like visit the pit of hell and decide to recreate it? Have you seen the the horror? The, the, oh, it's wicked. That is completely the spirit of Baal and Jezebel. This is the generation that we're living in. You see, Elijah was called to deal with the spirit of Baal and the spirit of Jezebel to confront them to stand strong so here he is speaking to the king and saying you have troubled Israel because you will not repent now therefore I'm in verse 19 send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table 850 prophets. What do you think they were prophesying? I'm telling you, that's one big narrative against one tiny voice. 850 prophets telling the people what they want to hear. All on the same page. Must be true, right? Because everybody's saying it. No. Elijah says, meet me at Mount Carmel. We have a divine appointment. Oh, I love this. Okay. So, where are we going? I'm up to, let's go through to, from 20 to 24. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? Wow. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. 
But the people answered him not a word. I wonder why. I wish they had have explained. <laughs> were they just going, what a nutcase? Or were they going, I'm feeling a bit uncomfortable like something's about to happen. I just, I think I'll just, I don't know why they didn't say a word. But Elijah then says to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore let us give let, uh, sorry, therefore let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood but put no fire under it and I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood but put no fire of it, under it. Then you will call on the name of your gods and I will call on the name of the Lord and the God who answers by fire, he is God. And now the people find their voice. And it says, so all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. I have a feeling they were feeling rather self-indulgent, rather confident. (laughs) Poor Elijah. He must have got out of the wrong side of the bed. (laughs) He really thought, I think, that, you know, he's going to prove a point today. (laughs) Oh, yep, well said, Elijah, well said. Here, here. Wow. The story unfolds, the prophets of Baal prepare theirs and they call on their God to come and light up their sacrifice with fire. Uh, For some reason, it's taking a while. So it says from morning till evening, they called on the name of Baal. Wow, I'd be hoarse if I did it that long. From morning till noon, sorry. Oh, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice. No one answered. They leaped about the altar in which they had made. My goodness, that would have been a sight. And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Uh, Either he's on a journey. He might be meditating. I know. (laughs) Poor Baal's busy. (sighs) Perhaps he's sleeping. That's the problem. He needs to be awakened. So it says, they cried aloud and cut themselves as was their custom with knives and lances until the blood gushed out on them. Ugh. That would have done for me. I don't do the red stuff. So glad I wasn't there in, the, in one way. Uh, now, when midday was past, they prophesied. Well, they are prophets after all, aren't they? Until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, but there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. So it's now it's, it's almost evening. Can imagine Elijah's face. Oh, well, that was a good show. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. And then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seers of seed. 
And he put wood in order, cut the bull in pieces, laid it on the wood and said, fill four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. He's very confident, right? And he said, do it a second time, do it a third time until the water ran all over the altar and filled the trench with water. Here's those words again, and it came to pass. At the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Woo! (laughs) Now God knows how to put on a show. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal and do not let one of them escape. So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and executed them there. Wow. Look at this. I've got to quickly show you this. They were crying out, right? Um, The Lord, he is God. Do you know what they were actually saying? That's the exact meaning of the name of Elijah. Elijah's name is Yahweh is my God. And one man turned an entire generation to say, I'm going to bow my knee. He's now my God. Not just your God, Elijah. He's now my God. I believe the Lord wants to raise up the Elijah generation to go out there and to change this culture to stand firm in the face of opposition and say, Jesus Christ is my God. I love this. This is an excerpt from Pastor John Piper. He explains this idea here, my God. He says that you, O Lord, are God. You are not an idea. You are not a memory. You are not a tradition. You are not a religion. You are not a projection of our imagination. You are not a force. You are not an archetype. You are not a symbol. You are the God, the living, active, fire-sending, sin-hating, idolatry-destroying, prayer-hearing, personal God. That's who we serve. Why would we be afraid of the prophets of Baal? They think they're powerful and they were powerless just like their God. Our God is alive. Yahweh is my God. I'm going to skip through quickly. 1 Kings 18, 41 to 45, the key verse there in 41. Elijah tells Ahab, you better get going because I can hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Guess what? We've had an abundance of rain recently. We had the drought. We've had the wake-up call sound out. We've had the upper room. 
And now comes the rain. I want you to look at this. The latter rain, Zechariah 10.1. Ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. For the Lord will make flashing clouds. He will give them showers of rain, grass in the field for everyone. Ask for the latter rain in the time of the latter rain. What is the latter rain? I'm about to put it up. There are generally two rainy seasons mentioned in Scripture. The early former autumn rain in Israel, this is around October to November, and the latter spring rain, March to April. With the former rain, farmers begin plowing and planting seeds. Then the latter rain, which is even more important, matures the crops for harvesting. All this rain we've had, I believe, is a spiritual signal to us. The harvest is ripe. Where are the laborers? The latter rain has been poured out. And I'll finish with this verse. 2 Kings 2 verse 1 and verse 11 talks about Elijah's catching away to be with the Lord. So after all these things, we see the end of Elijah's chapter. And it came to pass, see those words again, when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, there's the wind again, that Elijah went out, sorry, Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal, and then jumping to verse 11, and it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. We have been given the Ruach, the Holy Spirit, as a guarantee until the day he comes for us. I believe that the Holy Spirit is the one who will lift us and present us to Jesus on that day when he calls us up. We are to be filled with him until that moment. And just like Elijah stood and change the culture of an entire nation. We are called to be the Elijah generation. And one day, very soon, that bridegroom is coming. The Elijah generation will be caught up to be with the Lord in heaven, just as Elijah was. Amen. Would you close your eyes with me today? Father God, I thank you for your people. Lord, I ask for the wind of your Holy Spirit, the breath of your Holy Spirit to fill each and every one here. Lord, raise them up. You have called them for this day and this hour. You have prepared them for this moment. I ask that each and every one would be empowered like Elijah was empowered to face the Ahab and the Jezebel of his generation. Lord, I'm asking that you would give them boldness. Father, that you would give them strength, that they would know their God. My God is Yahweh. That they would know their God and do great exploits in your name. Father, I commission your people to be bold, to preach the gospel of Jesus, to go and bring in the ripe harvest. And I thank you and I praise you for it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We never want to... <coughs> We never want to miss a moment, an opportunity to let someone give their life to Jesus. So just while heads are bowed in this place, this morning, if, 
If you've been stirred, if you, you don't want to be like those five foolish virgins who had no oil in their lamp. And when the king of kings came, and it was the day for the wedding, they were not ready. Today, I believe the Lord is calling you to be ready. Will you hear his voice? Will you stand with the Elijahs of this generation instead of following the hundreds of prophets of Baal? If that's you today, you say, I want to get right with God. I want to have my sins washed. I want to be ready. I want oil in my lamp. I just want you to raise your hand and I'm going to pray with you this morning. Anita, that's me. I want oil in my lamp. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Lord, I pray for those whose hearts have been stirred today. They want to be right with you. Lord, I ask that you would lead them and guide them. You'd wash them and cleanse them of their sins and help them to choose you over everything else. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's thank Anita for a great word this morning. Two things before we finish. Uh, first one is this, Jacqueline turned 80. And she thought I forgot to mention that this morning, so we need to sing. You don't have to stand on a chair, it's okay, unless you'd like to. Let's just sing before we get a comment about that. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Jacqueline. Happy birthday to you. Hip-hip. 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 Big round of applause. Applause, applause, applause. She has a special jam deal going on at the moment. There's signs out there. Check that out. Get some jam. Ben and Janelle Ken are with us and their kids, so give them a welcome too. They'll be with us for a few weeks over Christmas and into the new year. Ben's preaching the first Sunday in January. So don't miss that day. That'll be awesome. Fire. He's got it. No, no holiday. Got to make him work while he's on holidays. Uh, let's have fellowship. Have your coffee. Remember, just head out to the foyer. It'll get brought to you. If you haven't got one ordered, put your order down and head out to the foyer. That'll be great. We'll leave in about, I don't know, 20 minutes or so. We've got to go. So we, but you guys don't have to rush. I'll organize someone to lock up for us. And I just looked at them. We had an eye moment. Uh, but be blessed. Enjoy the rest of your day.